what's kind of cool about this AEC industry is it's built in that you're forced to continue learning. Griff and Sandy drew attention to the fact that our infrastructure is not up to the standard that it has to be. This is the Engineering and Construction Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of MarketScale Manufacturing. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. As you're listening along, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you're heading to our website, marketscale.com industries for more B2B vertical industry content, including podcasts, articles, videos, and more. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're exploring a fascinating alternative to traditional supply chain relationships in B2B, namely distributed manufacturing. Usually product designers, engineers, procurers, or even inventors are having to build these relationships with several suppliers at any given time. As COVID ravaged the supply chain, those relationships were put under a tremendous amount of stress. And in many cases, suppliers and manufacturers were unable to meet their clients' needs, throwing everyone for a loop. So whether it's climate disasters, geopolitics, or a global pandemic, this year the supply chain's fragility was put on full display. So could a decentralized distributed manufacturing model support these supply chain needs and empower not only procurers and product side end users, but distributors as well to take advantage of less regional supply chain networks? We're looking to get answers to that today and a full breakdown of distributed manufacturing in a COVID landscape. I'm pleased to welcome our guest for insights today, Mr. Greg Paulson, Director of Application Engineering for Zometry. Greg, welcome. Great to have you on. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, all things considered and really appreciate being on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us this breakdown of something that in the long run could be um, something to replace some of the, I, I think, broader relationships we've seen struggle in the supply chain since COVID hit. And I think it's going to be important to break down what those relationships are, how they typically operate, and why it might be time to reimagine said relationships. So let's go ahead and jump right in, Greg. I want to start by defining for our listening audience what a distributed manufacturing model is. So go ahead and give us the elevator pitch and we'll go from there. All right. So in a typical supply chain, so what we're used to, and this is very different than distributed manufacturing models, is you there's typically more of a local-to-local -local interaction when you are working to get something made. So in my past, I've been a buyer. And I, uh, I will go and shoot out an RFQ, so a request for a quote, to the five, six suppliers that I think may be a fit. And then I uh, will get usually some random results back. So sometimes it's a time delay, three, four days before I get any information back. It's not even a quote sometimes. It's just maybe a question like, when, you know, when do you need this buy or something like that from that supplier? And often when I get pricing back, it's all over the place. There could, you know, we've seen you know, 60 to 200% differences in pricing. Um, and we don't quite know why one may, supplier may price higher or lower than the others. 
what we've done at Zometry is really embrace this distributed manufacturing model, which is creating a digital platform to connect buyers and suppliers in a way meaningful to the project's success. Uh, so for Zometry, we are connected with over 5,000 manufacturers globally, and we have one site. When someone who is a buyer, so an engineer, someone in procurement, someone who's looking to get custom manufactured parts made, uh, they'll go to our, our site, so a single platform site, and they'll specify their work. Uh, oftentimes, we provide instant pricing uh, via a machine learning feedback loop, and when they press buy, they have access to thousands of manufacturers. And we take that supply chain you know, opaqueness out of that by pairing what the project needs with those manufacturers best able to produce that project uh, to cost, uh, to scope, and on time. What it allows us to do is be very flexible with the amount of work that we can take on, so capacity, as well as the amount of work that we can do in parallel. Uh, so there's there's no wait, there's no backlog. It's just work on demand. And it benefits both buyers and suppliers in this type of distributed manufacturing ecosystem uh, because the buyers have this Amazon experience, right? So it's a, you go to one site, you get what you need, you press go. And then it just says, hey, your package is going to arrive next Tuesday. And for the supplier side, they are able to get instant access to work that they may have not had been able to access in their regular job. So again, a lot of businesses local to local and this distributed model allows uh, that access to, you know, maybe work out of Virginia if you're a manufacturer in Utah. And so you're constantly able to keep those spindles turning and keep work going through by taking the, these jobs of demand. So it has a mutual benefit on both sides of the supply chain. All right. Thanks for that breakdown. Now let's get more specific on uh, timely context and better understanding all of the intricate ways that a distributed manufacturing model impacts these B2B relationships. So it's kind of unavoidable. The main reason we're having this conversation is because of COVID. Uh, obviously, COVID ravaged the supply chain and in a lot of ways showcased the fragility, the instability or uh, just the the difficult uh, maneuvering that has to be done to keep these B2B supply chain relationships alive. So in your experience over the last several months, what are some of the most pressing ways that COVID impacted these B2B supply chain relationships just in general? Uh, and then we'll get into uh, more specifically both sides of the relationship. Yeah, and absolutely. And by the way, the global pandemic has been this ultimate test because when you are manufacturing goods, especially the more complex the goods are, uh, the more suppliers you may have. And one thing I've always seen is that uh, if you're running you know, a traditional ERP system in your business, you may have a supplier per part or per manufacturer. Uh, it's very easy to send out these requests for quotes. Uh, but oftentimes, that also means more suppliers, more onboarding, you know, more operational burden. And when the suppliers go down, go down, all of a sudden you need to find an alternative and you need to go through that sa the same burden again. And it can be very taxing. In fact, we were seeing um, during the global pandemic, especially on the medical side, roles that have been traditionally buyers, where they are essentially getting a SKU, a catalog number, and saying, I want more of these, all of a sudden had to become procurement. They had to figure out where the heck can I get this when my regular catalog says I don't have it anymore and, and working through. And so uh, we actually got a lot of calls um, 
to help on the custom manufacturing need or help at least do stopgap supply chain requirements using you know technologies like 3D printing or rapid injection molding uh, to work while supply bases went up. The other thing that there was a worry about on the supply chain is, okay, I have more suppliers, we have more burden, but uh, if, you know, if I have less su- suppliers, I have more risk. So all the eggs in one basket. That's the other thing that we see when you have mass, mass disruptions is, great, I have you know, 17 suppliers out in this state, but what happens when that state goes down? And uh, we went into that situation as well, um, or I should say we, are, our customers did, in certain localized uh, manufacturing environments using distributed manufacturing what happens when a state or locality or county or uh, area goes down? And again, it's not just pandemics. There's there's natural disasters. There's hurricanes. There's other things. There's other reasons why areas may close or have a disruption. The work is able to be instantly located to another capable manufacturer ready to take that work. And when customers came to us, they were looking for a reliable supply chain where we were doing the management, we were doing the rerouting. Uh, even if we had suppliers who are working, who knew disruptions were upcoming, so there was, you know, often those were announcements when there was going to be changes in work plans. We were, had instant ability to shift that work or pull in redundancies uh, if needed. Uh, so distributed manufacturing is this supply chain system that consolidates the vendor list for those buyers. Uh, so on your ERP, you just have Zometry, and you approve us, and we work through, and we assure the quality. And meanwhile, we're working that entire supply chain issue uh, for, those, for those buyers and giving work to the suppliers who are looking for work during these times, especially when uh, their local businesses where they may be getting work may be shut down or are relocated where it's more challenging for them to continue business. Product side, has this impacted the barrier to entry for product designers and procurers during this time, the fact that uh, maintaining or uh, just even securing these relationships can be so hit or miss when the whole supply chain is a miss? You know, it's actually interesting because I don't think so at all. Uh, I, I think something that's kind of remarkable, and this is moving into that uh, you know industry 4.0 language, if you will, but a lot of manufacturing technologies, and one of the reasons why distributed manufacturing can work right now and may have not been as successful 10 years ago, is that the technology is there. Uh, so, for example, we have instant online quoting for uh, you know, eight different types of 3D printing processes, CNC machining, sheet metal manufacturing, injection molding, um, we're working on extrusions, die casting, stampings, uh, assemblies. And all that is empowered by an upfront essentially platform, like a like an AI-driven platform that first starts with that model, that 3D model. So the barrier to entry to a lot of manufacturing now is no longer knowing who or what or who can make it. It's just having that design capable of being made. And it opens up the doors to so many opportunities to get work done, especially in that product development stage. So if we think about the biggest strains on the supply chain that have been really highlighted by COVID, how would a distributed manufacturing model, if it existed at scale when COVID hit, you know, so let's say most major companies in the supply chain were running with some kind of distributed model, how would said model have maybe addressed these strains in a faster way or in some ways maybe prevented the strains in the first place? There's definitely uh, a mix of not just domestic suppliers, but international suppliers. And when you're looking at products and goods, you may find that a lot of actually production supplied 
uh, is, is international. In this case, I'm domestic, so I'm saying international, like Asian manufacturing, for example. And there's nothing wrong with that because uh, a lot of times cost is king and the quality is, uh, quality is good. So you have you know, low price options over there. Uh, but there were you know, severe disruptions uh, going on. And in many moments, it was a, it was a waiting game wait till they're back online. And the, you know, that's a, that was one of the major disruptions we saw for things like personal protective equipment, uh, where there's specialized tooling and operations there. I think distributed manufacturing builds in that redundancy and rely, uh, resilience of your supply chain by having options uh, in multiple locations. So not just you know, multiple, multiple manufacturers in one country or region, but having manufacturers in different countries to allow for uh, them to be activated on demand while also still be securely tied in. And I think, again, one of these things that we could do with this digital chain uh, through distributed manufacturing platforms like Zometry is provide that quality assurance and the know-how, like the, the, the actual database of shops and capabilities to say like, yeah, I could activate you into to this uh, factory out in Ohio or bring you into this, um, this place out in California and make sure that the work is done to spec and on time. And it's, it's just so important to do. So from a standpoint of using distributed manufacturing as a platform, I think a lot of the questions and challenges always come down to not who's manufacturing, because that, in that case, it's just it's sourcing. It's a sourcing issue, but it's, it's assuring the quality and keeping that value chain alive. And I think distributed manufacturing has a digital backbone behind it to make sure that happens. Even though COVID put a major strain on a lot of these relationships between product designers and developers and the manufacturers and suppliers, uh, I think in a lot of ways, those relationships are really the backbone of what supports long-term product innovation. And I can see why a lot of um, designers, procurers are you know, very close to the chest with those relationships. They're important to keeping everyone's best interests in mind between the two partners and with supporting any sort of development down the line for long-term growth. So why would a product developer want to go through a third party to handle said supplier and manufacturer relationships? Uh, have you heard any concerns about that, about uh, relinquishing uh, the, the relationship in general or sort of uh, adding a barrier between one party in the next. Give us your thoughts on that and how you address that. Yeah, certainly. And I think it's, is, it's definitely uh, less of a barrier to enter than a traditional supplier relationship is what I found using uh, platforms because, again, the access to get online and start that work usually has to do with you know, the technical manufacturing uh, files. Um, and that usually means the engineering service is, you know, right there as a as for building its maturity. It's you know at that 90 percent uh, manner. But there's value add that, as you said, for contract manufacturing from the manufacturer. I'll give a great example of something that we can you know publicly disclose. We work on so many projects, thousands and thousands of projects through Zometry, but obviously all our work is confidential. Uh, with a, uh, we've done press releases with this, so I could talk about it. There's a project called ClearMask, uh, which is a Baltimore-based company had invented and patented and uh, got FDA cleared a transparent surgical mask. It is 
a think about a transparent uh, plastic mask that uh, that you wear, similar to what you do what was a surgical mask. What's beautiful about it is it allows people to see your face and your lips uh, as you're talking. And actually, the the one of the co-inventors and co-founders of the company uh, is deaf, and she had uh, in her past uh, ER experience that was a little traumatic because she relies on reading lips and. Uh, there was a challenge in communication because everybody's wearing these surgical masks. And as important as masks has become to our everyday life here, you know, there still is a challenge for not just not just those deaf and hard of hearing, but just communication in general, where having a little bit of being able to see face, smiles, gestures, frowns, you know, laughing, it can be really uh, important to the conversation. So Clear Mask wanted to ramp up. And they wanted to ramp up right when you had major manufacturing disruptions. We're talking, you know, March, April, May timeframe this year. They found us at Zometry and we were able to work with our suppliers and find just the right connections to produce that work rapidly, create scheduled distribution of that work. And, you know, over the several, last several months, we've made millions upon millions of these masks turnkey for uh, for a clear mask company. So we've been able to find solutions because of a distributed manufacturing model, model versus being a barrier for uh, because of the model. In many cases, we are the ones who could figure out how to make stuff when it's really hard to source because uh, we know how capable our technical marketplace is. You mentioned that one benefit of a distributed manufacturing model is the ability to create partnerships outside of a limited or traditional regional space. Uh, when suppliers are offered with said expansive uh, partnership opportunities, how does this impact their longevity as a company? What we do is we offer a lot for our suppliers. Actually, I, I'm really proud of what Zometry has done with our supplier network. Uh, we have uh, we we actually started up uh, a Zometry supplies for our suppliers that helps them get materials and uh, machining tools and other goods that help the factory uh, on demand quicker than they typically and quicker and usually cheaper than they typically would with their other suppliers. And one of the reasons why was we have you know a lot of customers that are requesting shorter and shorter deadlines. So we wanted to make sure that the upfront supply chain was very accessible because we give work on demand. We're able to supplement suppliers who may only use this for a small percentage of business or help uh, keep suppliers going who use this for a large percentage of their revenue uh, by allowing them to take the work that best fits their needs on demand. So we are in the business of helping grow suppliers' needs and capabilities. Um, I know our partner management team who works, uh, who works uh, with suppliers in our community that we have for them, we work on training, we work on ena enablement to, to help them understand, you know, uh, best practices, uh, bringing, bringing uh, for example, quality assurance up to a national level versus not just what you're working on locally, understanding what, the, um, what standards are needed to pass a, um, or, you know, pass your calibration for your, for, for your QA equipment. And everything we're doing is working to empower uh, our suppliers, make sure that they get work make sure that they get the supplies they need, make sure they find, for example, finishing or hard to source stuff that is on the supplier side, and even things like financial services. Uh, Zometry has uh, a financial services plan for partners that we've onboarded. And uh, that, for example, that we have something called the Zometry Advanced Card, 
that allows uh, folks on our supply chain to get up to 30% line of credit on work that they've uh, taken off what we call the job board. So think of it almost like an Uber for manufacturing. So they, they see what work is available. They're like, I like that. They can review the work, the scope of work, and accept it. And it's instant purchase order for them. With this financing service, they're able to get a up to 30% upfront to help buy supplies and materials, uh, whatever they need, without the challenges to cash flow that can especially affect a smaller businesses, so sub-20 uh, person manufacturers. When these relationships break out of a regional space, does it create any new strain on shipping logistics? And is that something uh, that... Zometry helps out with or something that usually the supplier uh, has to manage on their own? Uh, yes, no, why or why not? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, definitely when you work in distributed manufacturing, you do, you do have to become a logistics expert. No doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that has to do with, again, uh, knowing what project is at what stage and when it's going to be ready to be done. You know, that's first off, when's it going to ship? As well as um, the, the shipping uh, power that we, we may have. So in this case, because we do a lot of shipping, a, a lot, a lot of shipping, um, we're able to leverage, you know, our, our shipping partners like FedEx. And uh, for these uh, for these suppliers, uh, it's as easy as them clicking print label on their side. And so we typically take care of the, the shipping, uh, shipping portion of that work. Uh, if the supplier works up to what's called their partner success score, it's a quality score that they have based off their, uh, the work they've, they've done, their timeliness, their delivery, and other factors, they actually will earn trust to do direct shipments uh, directly to the customer to help save some lead time for that customer's needs. Uh, newer manufacturers, we take a crawl, then walk, then run approach to bringing them on board and so that work that they do may get a double QA where you know that'll be uh, QA'd at their facility then go to Zometry's quality facility that we have here in Maryland uh, for a secondary inspection before it goes out but we definitely do handle the logistics uh, significantly and again we have um, our you know, manufacturing base here in the United States of about 3,000 manufacturers uh, I mentioned globally about 5,000 manufacturers, you know, uh, between 1,500, uh, you know, around 2,000 of those uh, are also in Europe. We have a Zometry Europe branch, uh, and then uh, both Zometry Europe and Zometry US have uh, our Asia branch, where we have boots in the grounds teams uh, working with suppliers that we have out in Asia to manage projects there. So we truly are working in global logistics uh, operation, and again, the beauty of the, for the buyers is that they just press buy. Like it's just, it's just such a streamlined experience, you know, much akin to that Amazon experience versus uh, having someone spend, you know, eight to 10 hours a week, just trying to figure out where everything is on their other list. So Greg, if distributed manufacturing is lauded as such a flexible practice, why are we only seeing it? I mean, I know that we've seen it in the past. It's not completely new, but why are we only seeing it start to really take off now? Why hasn't it taken off sooner? What are your thoughts? Uh, I definitely think building the trust is a big one. You know, understanding the difference of, between this and say a brokerage where uh, quality is for companies like Zometry, you know, where, where I work, we assure the quality, right? So you're always working with Zometry. It's all, you're, you're in contract with us and we're responsible for the success of the project. Mm -hmm. I think because of that, it gives us skin in the game. You know, and so we have dedicated points of contact, contacts. We have case managers that get to know every single one of our customers and their needs. And uh, you, so you, ha you build that 
really strong manufacturing relationship while this entire automated digital supply chain process is working uh, its job in the background. Um, I really think that uh, AI and machine learning have played a huge role in why this can be successful. Because if it was just a sta- if it's just you know spreadsheet run, you know for example like uh, like again again in a previous life uh, when I was buying stuff, you know I was I knew who my providers were and I was looking at spreadsheets and shooting out blast emails. Uh, you know it just could not scale the way that uh, we've been able to by building a platform that allows the quoter to produce, to put up their technical information in a, a secure quoting site, get pricing back, have a, you know, have their quotes available, ready to purchase. When they purchase their quotes, we pair that work with the, with the right supplier on our supply chain. Uh, and that all happens, you know, automatically. It happens uh, with the power of uh, AI machine learning, both from the quoting and the connection side of things. And then again, we keep that we we keep the project with standardized updates because it's all being managed under this entire digital chain here. So, uh, from the initial request for quote or that initial auto quote experience, all the way to shipping, it's it's one platform through to through. And that's something that you know when it works right, like what we do, it makes it look easy, but it's you know very difficult to execute correctly. And I think that's something that. Uh, um, you know, I'm very excited to say we've done very well. How do you see advancements in machine learning and data science analysis continuing to support a distributed manufacturing network at scale? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we offer about a dozen manufacturing technologies, a little bit more now with some tooled operations. And um, and we're able to, we actually have, we could kind of reach beyond what auto quotes with what we call a digital RFQ marketplace, where it allows you to connect with buyers and suppliers directly across our vetted network. But there is so much more that you can do. Uh, so 3D data, uh, technical information, uh, the interpretation, uh, interpretation of, uh, of technical drawings is all opportunities for working that manufacturing supply chain. I think what's very interesting about this is when you use a data-driven approach, you find that there's benefits on standardization. Uh, so we have our instant quoting site where you can select your process, your material, specifications, uh, tolerances, finishes, um, inspection instructions. If you need, for example, ITAR restrictions, certificate of conformance, uh, uh, domestic material certs, domestic hardware traceability, all this stuff can be selected. But what's really neat about that is that when the manufacturer, when that supplier sees it, they see a very standardized way, a very explicit contract of what they're expected to do. And sometimes in traditional manufacturing, uh, when you're sending out just a technical package, like sometimes just a two-dimensional drawing with, uh, with some notes on it, some of these things may be hidden or, or opaque. Because we use data-driven analysis, we use AI to interpret it, we have certain things that help standardize you know, fields, if you will, like fields for that manufacturing process. And it actually makes it easier for the engineer or buyer to communicate what they need. It makes it easier for our data to be data-driven. Uh, and it also makes it easier for our suppliers to understand what the, what the requirements are. Um, I always, uh, I should say, I, I, it's a serious, but it's, you know, I say it jokingly, but you know, as long as the, what we think we're making for you, what the supplier thinks they're making for you, and what you think we're making for you are the same, we're golden, <laughs> you know, we're good. And I think by building, uh, standardized, uh, standardized sets to communicate uh, more and more. And a lot of that can be driven by, um, by AI machine learning in the background, the more successful we will be at uh, modernizing manufacturing. 
All right, Greg, I've got one main question left for you here before we wrap up. With bringing in a third party like Zometry to facilitate and help connect both the uh, procurers and product side professionals to the supplier side professionals. Is there ever a worry that working with someone like Zometry is going to be like a brokerage agreement or just more transactional than relationship building? Is that ever something you hear from folks that are potentially interested in your services? And uh, how do you approach that dynamic to offer something that is more than a transactional relationship? Oh, I, I certainly think uh, that it's it, we, we built, we're able to build very strong relationships with our customer base and our supplier base. Um, I, I think because of the, as you mentioned before, this the the AI technology driven backbone that we have, uh, it, it allows a lot of automation to happen. And because of that, I always think that you know our strive for hospitality. Uh, for how we, you know, work with our service side is closer to, you know, hotel, you know, uh, hotel management where you have just the utmost level of service uh, than a traditional manufacturer where you have variable levels of service between uh, different suppliers. Uh, so I actually, I feel that we're in a really unique position because we have this automation in play to spend a lot of time on the relationship building, the service, understand your needs, getting some of our expert in-house staff to work with our um, uh, work with our customers if they have questions about you know material process timeline, and we're we're able to really leverage you know both our service and and our expertise uh, for you know many different jobs because a lot of that that traditionally hard work you know quoting supply chain management etc is actually uh, controlled digitally. Like something I, I really think is interesting about Zometry is that instead of thinking of us as, again, just another source, we are really reinventing the way that manufacturing and the transactional basis of manufacturing takes place. Uh, we're building a, a foundation driven by technology that is distributed, um, but it still works with quality assurance. It still works to make sure that um, we are achieving the goals that the customer has. So that's, you know, scope and timeline uh, requirement. And it's also becoming future ready. Uh, we're elevating our manufacturers to uh, technology-driven requirements, uh, to 3D-driven requirements, and other, um, other things that are, you know, question marks right now, unknowns, because we're on a single platform and we're connecting to so many manufacturers, there's a lot of opportunity to grow the technology um, for you know, future readiness as well. Uh, and I think that's something that is really unique when you think about, you know, one type of company elevating an entire industry. Greg Paulson, Director of Application Engineering for Zometry, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your thoughts on distributed manufacturing, how it fits into a COVID landscape, and some of the nitty-gritty of how it intersects with existing supplier relationships. So thank you again for joining us. It's really been a pleasure so far. Awesome, Daniel. Thank you so much. And Greg, if folks want to find out more about Zometry, some of the work y'all are doing and potentially get in touch, how can they do so? Yeah, I definitely recommend first starting off going to Zometry's main site. So we're Zometry with a X, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. I recommend, so if you're lear learning about manufacturing, go under the resources tab, check out our blogs, check out, we have free design guides for every manufacturing technology that we offer. Um, we, I actually do a lot of engineering specific videos, uh, 
typically around uh, advanced additive manufacturing, uh, but also machining, sheet metal, injection molding, and try our get our get a quote site. So uh, when you go online, it's completely free to use. Uh, you could just upload a three D model. You'll see pricing lead times uh, instantly pop up, and you could actually configure, add quantities, change uh, change your specifications, uh, et cetera, and you'll see the pricing lead times update on the fly. So it really is a powerful tool uh, to you know get a quote whether you're rapid prototyping and you're you're ready to you know just get work done and, and ship to you within a couple of days, or you're working for full spec manufacturing at scale. Uh, we we are just a one stop shop for that manufacturing need. Greg, thanks again. Really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of the Market Scale Manufacturing Podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're going to our website, marketscale.com slash industries, or subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.